0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. Glad you are with us. We are continuing our series, Advent Conspiracy. I think there's something to this time of year where kids just bounce off the walls. Uh, My kids just recently, they have been acting nuts. Like when I pick them up from school and they're home, they are just running around the house, bouncing off the walls. Now, maybe some of that is because... We've had a lot of rain the last uh, few days, so they have not been able to go outside and play and whatnot and burn all that energy. But it just seems like lately they are just bouncing off the walls. I come home and they just every time I see them, it seems like they have a candy cane in their mouth. I'm like, where did where did you get that candy cane? They're loaded up on sugar and and it's and it causes more stress. Like like what happened to my children? Where are they? When will they return? my wife, uh, this week is also finishing up, uh, graduate school and she'll have her master's in education. And so, so she's been focused this week on getting all her homework done, getting all that stuff finished, taken care of, uh, cause she sees the light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, as a result, you know, and, and I've been busy, it's, it's Christmas time. And so as a pastor, you know, got extra services to plan sermons to write, getting ready for the new year, like, you know, It seems like work ramps up and there's a lot to do. And so it is quite possibly that we have let some basic things slip in our household, like just overall cleanliness of how we would prefer to live. And so the other day, uh, one of our uh, preschool board members, she was coming by to drop off uh, some gifts for our preschool teachers, and, and I was out, but I said, you know what, I think our front door's open, you can just put it on the counter, because my wife was going to make the gift baskets for the teachers, and after I had told her that, I realized, I was like, oh no, she's going to walk in and see the mess in my house, and so she texted me after, oh, dropped it off, just want to let you know, and I said thank you, and then I apologized for our messy house. And she responds, oh, I, I didn't notice. And I think she's a liar because our house was a disaster. It seemed like there was kids clothes everywhere. There was dirty dishes in the sink. Like, like, this is not how we live all the time, really. But I think there, there's something to this time of year, right, where it just seems chaotic. And everything is going nuts. Have you been there? Are you with me? am I the only one who feels that way and it, and it's not that I'm like stressed about shopping or anything like that it's just there's a lot going on there is a lot to do and oftentimes when when I'm faced with a lot going on there's a lot to do I I begin to think okay what what can I quit what can I give up what can I I not do and I think that's a common uh that's a common thing we think of right when we're overwhelmed how can we release stuff what can we get rid of uh And I think sometimes we we do that um, to maybe avoid what's really going on. Maybe we do that to avoid uh, the stress and we're like, oh, if we could just get rid of this, then our life would be better. Um, But I think our text actually challenges us in a different way. So uh, Matthew 1, chapter 18, or Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The story of redemption starts off with a thought of divorce. Right? When we're faced with a circumstance, with, when we're faced with um, when the future seems unsure... Our, our natural tendency is to want to leave, right? Or, or we, we, we can become fearful, and and so Joseph, when he finds out that his wife to be is pregnant, and he knows he's not the father, his first thought is of divorce. And to be honest, it's the very human response when things are not going the way uh, we had planned. When things seem opposite of what we're supposed to be doing, of how our life was supposed to be, he tries to find a way out. He tries to leave. And I don't think we can really blame him. It's The story starts off with divorce. Divorce is separation. Divorce is defeat. It's that a situation is unable to be redeemed. And how often is leaving a relationship a job a church seen as the best solution if we could just create distance then then we can relieve the stress in our life in fact I in, in our culture we've really tried to normalize divorce this idea of separation trying to convince us that 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 divorce is natural just a way um, the world, is, uh, Danielle Teller, who is a former Harvard professor and now she's a writer and she gave a TED talk and, and this is one of her writings. And I I, I just want us to kind of see how our culture thinks about divorce and separation. She writes, we want to talk about love and happiness on the way into marriage, but after the exchange of rings, we demand an old fashioned narrative, one of self-sacrifice, loyalty, and hard work. These attitudes are rooted in the past, when marriage was an economic institution designed to build wealth and raise children. While it was surely the case that humans longed for love and happiness as much then as they do now, those feelings were not expected to derive from marriage. You know, so she's writing this essay, and she's basically saying that Divorce. We we should rethink divorce so that that we don't grieve it, and so that people uh, don't have stigmas about divorce. And and I can't believe some of the language that's written. You know, self sacrifice and loyalty are old fashioned narratives. I thought that was like the foundation of marriage. That's the foundation of relationships. Is that we would self sacrifice for one another. That is. Love and this idea that that we should just be allowed to love whoever we want and then leave however we want and there not to be consequences is a natural byproduct I think of people who who to get rid of the stress in their life the option is just to leave and that's exactly what Joseph Joseph's thought is this is not the way I imagine my life this is not the way. It's supposed to go, and so he decides to leave. But it goes on in verse 20. He says this, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Notice the angel speaks right to why Joseph wants to d- divorce Mary. It's because he's afraid. Right? Aren't we most fearful when the unknown is on the other side? You know, in Joseph's culture men did not father children who were not their own. And see, Joseph is afraid because it is outside of his realm of experience. I don't know about you, but uh, once I graduated high school and was going into college, I, th- I think that's one of the times in our lives where we really begin to develop what we imagine our life is going to be like. Right? We, we begin to have images and ideas of, of how our future is going to be. And then what we always discover is that as life goes on, that the way we had planned, the things we, the way we thought life would go is always different, isn't it? And it's not that it's always better and it's not that it's worse, but it's often just different than our expectations. And I think sometimes we get so crippled, right, when, when life happens and it's outside of our realm, of experience. It's outside of our imagination. And this is what God is doing with Joseph. He's asked to father a child. And this is not how it was supposed to go. This is not his child. This is not how he imagined his life to be. He imagined that he was going to marry Mary And that he would go about his life and, and I'm sure that narrative was formed by the culture he lives in. And now it seems as though that his reality is completely different. And the angel speaks right to it is Joseph, don't be afraid. Goes on verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You know, it's interesting, after Christmas, we tend to put the story on the shelf and we go back to imagining God as mighty and powerful carrying out justice which don't get me wrong God most certainly is but I think one of the 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 narratives that we tend to abandon with Jesus is how vulnerable Jesus is see God places trust in the hands of a teenage girl and a frightened Joseph And we're reminded that this is who God is. God is extremely vulnerable. Cheryl uh, Lowry, she writes this, We are tempted to think that this is out of character for you, a moment of fragility, showing your tender side, that once the Christmas carols are finished and the decorations are put away, you'll get back to power and might. But in your completeness... This one chance we get to see flesh and bone put on to theory. This is you, fragile, impossibly vulnerable, and at the mercy of human response. See, the Christmas story is a reminder of a God who places himself at the mercy of his creation. Um, Just this week, uh, my kids and I, we were watching, uh, the movie, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe and, and watching my kids faces as, um, you know, the, the evil witch, she comes rolling in and she's demanding Edmund's life, that Edmund's life is hers and she gets to take it. And Aslan invites her into the tent, and then later emerges and says, the queen has agreed to let the boy go free. And everybody's rejoicing and excited. But what we later see is that Aslan is the one who takes Edmund's place. And and I was watching my boys' faces as they were watching Aslan go to the table and sacrifice himself. And... I love the the picture in the movie, you have this strong, powerful lion, yet he subjects himself and allows him to become so vulnerable. Just watching my kids experience that um, was really powerful. And I think sometimes we forget that God is a vulnerable God, that God places himself In the hands of a teenage girl and a fearful man and is born into a very vulnerable place in a barn this is how god enters the world i don't know how much more vulnerable you can get i mean have you ever asked a baby to do anything they can't do anything for themselves they can't cook they can't clean they can't change their own diaper Yet this is the way God chooses to enter into the world, and he is extremely vulnerable. And what's interesting is that this is exactly what God is inviting Joseph into. In this story, God is inviting Joseph to be vulnerable, right? And we don't like that feeling, do we? When when we are unsure of the future when we, don't know, when we don't know what is on the other side, we feel incredibly vulnerable. Like there is a huge risk that our life might not turn out the way we had planned it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes during the chaos of this Christmas season, the busyness that I'm always tempted to want to release stuff, to give stuff away like like I'm doing too much. And I think this is a way that God is calling me to be vulnerable. That God is inviting me to give actually a little bit more. That God that God might actually be trying to do something New. And so while I'm busy and I'm tired, and it's when I'm tired I feel the most vulnerable, maybe it's the place we're supposed to be. Maybe we're supposed to be in those situations. We're not supposed to flee from them. We're not supposed to run from them. We're not supposed to contemplate divorce. But it's as if God is saying, Do not be afraid. Remember, I came in to this world vulnerable. And so I want us to remember that 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 God is a vulnerable God. And when we feel tired, when we feel exhausted, when we feel as if we have nothing left to give, do not run from that. But maybe God is asking us to lean into that even more. See, I believe that if we are to be like Christ, we have to be vulnerable. That is why we have to be challenged to give more, not more money, maybe at times more money, but maybe we need to actually give more of ourselves. Maybe we need to give more of ourselves relationally. So I want to challenge you this Christmas season That as you go about the busyness of your day, the chaos that waits for you at home, the messy house, the papers that have to be written, the Christmas shopping that has to be done, may you not run and may you not flee from it, but may you lean in and know that God is a vulnerable God and it's okay to feel vulnerable. It's okay to not know what's on the other side. It's okay to feel tired. Because God is with you, Emmanuel, God with us. So go and give more and know that it is good to be vulnerable.